Well, if you are at church for the very first time, or if you haven't been here in a while, you picked a great week to be here. I always think it's, it's the best time to show up on week one of a series, because then you're not ever thinking, like, what, what did he say last week, or what, how does this connect, or whatever it goes. So you are in part one of a brand new series. Everybody say, The Vow. Real quickly, how many of you are married in this place? Lift your hands up. Wow, that is a lot of married folk up in here. How many, well, how many are single real quick? Is this single, single? Now everybody look around real quick. Scan, scout, you know. You never know. Today could be your day. Today's message is finding the one. So, you know, you might be in the right place today. Finding the one. I made a vow, my, uh, my wife and I, I can, by the way, my wife's not here. I can say anything I want today. Uh, my, my youngest daughter, who's three years old, was sick and, and had a fever last night. She's fine now. She has a little cough, but mom decided to stay home with her and, and make sure um, you know, she was getting better and not put her in with the other kids and make everybody sick. I mean, that's all bad. So, so anyway, uh, I can say anything I want. I can get away. As a matter of fact, there was this one preacher. Um, there was this one preacher who, um, who had to have his teeth redone. And so he had him worked on. And the next Sunday, he got up, and he only preached for eight minutes. And the next week, he came back, and he only preached for 10 minutes. The third week, he came back, he preached for over two and a half hours. They finally had to get up and stop him from preaching, and they got, they got him down. They said, Pastor, what, what is going on? What happened from eight to 10? We, we have to stop you now. What, what's going on? He goes, well, you know, I had my teeth redone. The first week, my teeth hurt so bad, I, I just couldn't talk for more than eight minutes, and I had to quit. And the next week, same thing. It was a little bit better, about 10 minutes, and I had to quit. She said, this morning, I got up, I accidentally put my wife's teeth in instead of mine, and I couldn't shut up. Hey, that, that, that's how you start a marriage series right there. You just make every woman mad. Just make them all mad at you. I got to reel you back in now. I love you. That was a joke. That was funny. You got to admit, that was, that was funny. Uh, my wife and I made a vow um, back in March of 2001, and we're on the brink of our anniversary, and can't wait to celebrate that. And many of you in this place are married, and that's great to see, and then many of you are, are single, and most of you that are single will one day be married. And so this, this message is so important, and if you're out there and you say, no, I'm single, and I'm never getting married again, I might change your mind today. And then also, if you never get married again too, you know someone that's married, and you're going to want to be able to help and connect with them. And so this series is really, really important. Hang on with us throughout the, the course of this series. I promise you, it will be really, really good. Everybody say, all right. And uh, let's pray before we begin. Father, uh, God, as we open up your words, God, speak to us. God, let your Holy Spirit just kind of speak to us as individuals this morning. Maybe dig up, move around, rearrange, heal, challenge. Holy Spirit, just do what it is that you do in our hearts and in our minds, Lord God. And we give you that, that freedom and access to us right now in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Amen. If you have your Bible, I want to go to a story that I actually preached not too long ago. It's in John chapter 4, and, and I want to take a look at it from a different angle because what, what I recognize is in looking at it a second, a third, and a fourth time now, or whatever it is, is that there, there's a lot of elements to this story, but because how many know Jesus, as he walked around on planet Earth, he was a healer, and he was a teacher, and he did all kinds of amazing things, but in this one instance, and, and it's kind of one of the only ones that we find is, is that Jesus kind of actually operates as marriage counselor in this story. And, and I do some marriage counseling. I do a little bit more pre-marriage counseling. And so it's fun to see what does Jesus say. And, and here's what we're going to discover is today what we look, and I'm very confident in saying this, what we will look at today and what Jesus says to this person today will be the most important message that you have ever heard or will ever hear on the subject of marriage. You know why I know that? Well, it's because he said it. But 
I'm, I'm that confident. The message that you hear today will be the most foundational and the most important message that you can ever hear on the subject of marriage. I put a lot of pressure on myself just now. But let's begin reading. Verse number four of John chapter four, the Bible says now Jesus had to go through Samaria. And so he came to a town in Samaria called something. Near a plot of ground, uh, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, as he was, uh, he was tired as he was from the journey, he sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus says to her, Will you give me a drink? Because his disciples had gone into the town to buy food. So the Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. If you've been around me, you know that this is, a, this is very true. Samaritans were a less than sect of culture. They were looked down upon. There was a lot of racial turmoil between Jews and Samaritans. They did not like each other. Not only that is, is that women were a lesser class of society in this day and age. And so she's very, very just honest and upfront. And she's saying, what are you, a Jew, talking to me, a Samaritan woman? This is how much um, tension and conflict and how outside of the cultural norm Jesus is in doing this. He shows up at the well, his disciples ran to do errands, and he looks at this woman and says, can you get me a drink of water? Everybody following? It's about to get good. So the Bible says that Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. She clearly was not catching on. Where exactly are you going to get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? And Jesus says, everyone, it's a key verse, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to come here, keep coming here to draw water. And that's what he does. He, he changes it up on her. He says, Go call your husband and then come back. She says, I don't have a husband. And he replied to her, you are right when you say that you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five of them, and the man that you are with now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I think you might be a prophet. <laughs> it's pretty intuitive, isn't it? When we look at this story, and I want you to continue reading the rest of the story in your own time, but, but what you'll see is that Jesus ends up kind of having a... A moment with this woman is so outside of cultural norms and he so connects with her and, and the end result is this, is the end result is that Jesus actually stays in the city and all the people of this city are drawn to him. The Bible says many people get saved and she's the one that triggers the entire thing and it all happens in this one moment where Jesus shows up to be a marriage counselor in this woman's life, if you're in here today, I just need you to know this up front because I get people that come to me. Every, I do usually at least one marriage series per year, and I, I, I have this happen specifically. I've had specifically one woman, one man, a couple other people, and they'll come up to me and they'll say this. They say, Pastor Todd, I'm going to be gone for the next few weeks because, well, I'm divorced and this and this, and I just don't want to hear a marriage series right now, so I'm going to go to so-and-so's church for a little bit, but I'll be back. And you know what? I totally understand. 
I totally, I don't want you to. I'm biased. I really like my preaching. But I get that. And what I need all of you to know in this place is that Jesus is incredibly compassionate for you who are married. And he's incredibly compassionate for those of you who've been through a divorce and have been through pain. Jesus absolutely loves you. So if, you, if you're in here today and you're like, man, I don't know, I showed up on the vow, what, I didn't, they didn't promote that long enough so I could have made adjustments to my schedule, I just want you to know you're in the right place because Jesus loves you. Those of you who feel like your marriage is on the brink, Jesus loves you. Those of you who feel like, you know, I've been divorced once or twice or five times like this woman, Jesus loves you. You just need to know Jesus has incredible compassion for you. Number one, just because that's just his nature. God just loves you. We don't even know why. We don't understand the depths of his love. The Bible says you can't even separate yourself from his love. David said, I I can't escape you. If I made my bed in the depths of hell, you'd still be there looking for me. God absolutely loves you no matter what your past is, no matter what your history is, no matter what your success rate is in life. Jesus absolutely loves you. You know the other reason I know that? It's because Jesus, Jesus knows why your marriage may or may not be dysfunctional or may or may not have worked out. And, and, and here, here's what I've discovered too, is that usually our marriages go down the toilet, not by intention, but by ignorance. I mean, they, I, I've, I've done a lot of pre-marriage. I've, I've married a lot of people. I've never, I've never sat there with one couple who looked that good and looked that good and they were doing their vows and everything was beautiful. And they just thought, you know what, I'm, I'm determined. I'm gonna jack this up. Not one of them ever did that. Not one ever said, I can't wait till we get into year number two. I'm gonna mess this thing up. We didn't do it because we meant to. Can I get an amen? Did you ever wreck a marriage? Wreck it because you meant to? You know, Jesus on the cross, he looks to his father and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They don't know. And I've met so many men and so many husbands and so many wives and they were, and in their brokenness they were trying to live through marriage and they were, and Jesus just has absolute compassion because who taught you how to do marriage? Most of us had no one to teach us how to do marriage or if we did, many of us had bad examples of how to do marriage. There are a very, very small percentage of us who had a mom and dad in a committed loving relationship under God model for us what a right marriage actually looks like. So most of us are in the dark trying to figure this out on our own, can I get an amen? amen. Yeah, we, we just, we, we don't know. And so because, because of our own ignorance, because of all these things, you know why else I believe God is, is incredibly compassionate and Jesus in this moment is incredibly compassionate? It's because God has experienced the pain of divorce himself. See, many times we get caught up in church and we, we, there's a scripture in the Old Testament that says God hates divorce, and he does. He don't hate you. He loves you. You know why he hates divorce? It's because he loves you. And when, when pain is created in a people he loves, he's upset about it. The Bible says in the book of Jeremiah that God experienced a divorce with Israel because of their idolatry. There was a, and, and, and he begs and pleads for them to return to him. God has experienced the pain of divorce himself, and he knows it hurts. So if you've experienced that, just know that God gets you. You are not alone in this thing. And that Jesus wants to help you today. Everybody say, okay. Jesus absolutely loves you. That's number one. Number two, and this is where we're gonna stay the rest of the day, is that Jesus, right here, we, we probably missed it, Jesus actually gives the blueprint and the foundation to a great marriage. Let's go back and read the verse real quick here one more time. The Bible says in John chapter four, verse 13, it says, when Jesus replied to her, he says these words, whoever drinks of this water, meaning just the normal well water, they're gonna thirst again. 
But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst. And and rather that, the water that I give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Here's what you need to know above all else is, is that the most important issue in marriage is this. It is our personal relationship with God through Jesus. Nobody like wrote that down. The most important issue in our marriage is our personal relationship with God through Jesus. Isn't that what he's saying? He's talking to a woman who's been married five times and is on number six but doesn't want to marry him. And he's saying, here's what you need to know. When you keep drawing from the well that's out there, you're always going to be unsatisfied. You're always going to be unfulfilled. Something's always going to be missing. But when you draw from me, that is the foundation of everything in life. It, you, you take God out of the equation, this whole thing's going to fall apart. Go back to, to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. We believe that, that there was Adam and Eve running around naked in a garden, having marriage for the first time, just whatever. That's not true. God was in the garden. The Bible says that he walked with them in the cool of the day. So marriage didn't start just as Adam and Eve. You know what marriage was? It was Adam and Eve and God. And then all of a sudden when sin came in and God was no longer in the picture, what did you have? A mess. You had sin. The whole thing began to fall apart because marriage was never designed to be separate from your relationship with God. And as soon as you remove that, everything begins to fall apart. And Jesus said, this is the key to marriage, is that when you drink from other wells, you're always going to be unsatisfied. But when in marriage, specifically, when you start with me first, everything else will be able to put itself together. Here's how we know that. You go talk to anybody about what's going wrong with their marriage. Why is it not working out? Why are you so disappointed, unsatisfied? He's not meeting my needs, all this stuff. It's because ultimately when we don't draw our strength and our love from Jesus, we're always left disappointed. We all have four basic needs. These are the four basic needs of life right here. The four basic and the deepest needs that every human being has are this. Acceptance, identity, security, and purpose. We all have those needs. Every human being, there's just an emptiness, there's a vacuum inside of us that says, I need those things. We all need acceptance, don't we? We all need somebody who will absolutely, unconditionally accept us. It doesn't matter if we were having a a good day or a bad day. It didn't matter if we looked good or looked bad. It didn't matter if we got fat or if we we got skinny again. It didn't matter if if, if we still were funny. It didn't matter if all these things, because here's what we know about human relationships. You'd never say it like this, but I will. Most of the people like us based on what they don't know. You ever thought about that? Because if people really knew everything that went on up in you, everything that went on up in here, you wouldn't have as many friends, would you? Only your uber dysfunctional friends would still hang out with you. You want some people that will absolutely just unconditionally accept you no matter what you've done, where you've been, what crossed your mind, any of that stuff. And, And you know what the problem is? Only God can do that. Only God, remember I said nothing can separate you from the love of God. Not your dysfunction junction, not, not how weird you are, not, not, none of that, nothing. Nothing will ex- separate you from the love of God is what Roman 8 says. God absolutely loves you and will receive you when you come to him. Absolute, unconditional acceptance. Not only that, identity. You, you can't get that from a person. You, you want somebody who will say, no, this is who you are. This is what, what made Jesus so confident in life. Is at the start of his ministry, God looked at him and said, that's my son. And I'm well pleased. Knew exactly who he was. Go read Psalms chapter 139. It's, 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 it'll blow your mind. It's David giving this whole rant about God. I don't, I don't even understand how, 
how it is that you love me and designed me and created me. When I was in my mother's womb, you literally detailed and, and decoded the DNA and you decoded the plans and the purposes and just how, how intricately woven and deeply thought out I am and how you designed me and how you made. I know that I am made and created by you and I've got this unique identity. Not only that is is, is security. Do, do you know like no one can make you truly secure in life? Not, I mean, really, money, not secure. Government, not secure. People, not secure. I mean, none of that stuff. People die. People come and go. Things happen. The only person, one person in life can make you totally secure, and that's Jesus. And then lastly is purpose. We all have a, 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 a deep desire and a deep need to have meaningful purpose in life, and it is only Jesus that can give you your divine purpose. It's only Jesus that can stamp you and say, this is who you are. This is what I've designed you to do. Here's, here's the calling that I've placed on your life. And so all of us, we carry these things inside of us. And the problem is, is that most of us in this room still, we have a surface level relationship with God. And we're not allowing Jesus to penetrate down to these deep needs. And so what we do is, is we end up projecting those needs on those closest to us, isn't it? This is what we call transference. As a matter of fact, this is what happens when we, don't, when we don't look to Jesus to meet these needs. This is what happens. Number one is this, is we transfer our deepest needs to those closest to us. Everybody say transference. This is just where we take all those things and we start projecting them and putting them on other people. But here's the problem. Your brokenness cannot be fixed by somebody else's brokenness. Do y'all remember the old nursery rhyme, Humpty Dumpty? How did, how did, Humpty Dumpty sat on a great wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. And all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty. You know, what was the problem with that nursery rhyme? Why would you go to the king's horses? Why would you go to the king's men? Why wouldn't you go to the king? If anybody's going to fix you, it's certainly going to be some horses. That just don't make no sense. I want to go to the top. And the problem with us is many of us, we, we, in life, we've had great falls. We have these issues. We have these broken areas of our life, and we start going to people and going. So, so we project those things onto our parents. We project those things onto our friends. We project those things, most importantly, when we get married, we project them onto our spouse. And then when they can't fulfill all of our deepest needs, we end up what? Disappointed, hurt, unfulfilled. And it's because we're drawing from the wrong well. As long as we draw from these outside wells, we will never be able to have the fullest relationships that we possibly can. Even the healthiest relationships in the world, if they don't have Jesus in them, they're missing something, I guarantee you. They're not reaching their maximum potential. There is something about drawing it from Jesus first. Number two is this, it's not only are we never fulfilled. Think about it, this woman had been, never, had been married five times and it never worked out. She's completely unfulfilled in life, so to the point that eventually she becomes cynical. Then at the last stage, number one is, is, is we start transferring on other people. Then we realize that doesn't work. And then at, at last, we end up discouraged and cynical. I almost feel sorry for the sixth guy in this, in this story, don't you? Can you imagine? Been married five times, you got to the sixth guy, and you are so cynical and so discouraged, you're like, mm, you can live here, but I ain't marrying you. We'd pray for that guy, wouldn't we? I mean, that'd be a tough scenario to, 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 to be with a person that was so hurt and so turned off and maybe so hardened in her heart. Because I know them. I don't know if you do, but like there's some men that just, they hate women. There's some women out there, they're just men haters. And their heart has been so callous, they are turned off and they don't want nothing to do with it. And so they become cynical and discouraged. This is why, this is why if you'll really look at it, when you see our nation 
and you see how God has gotten further and further outside of our culture, you see the rise of divorce and the rise of cohabitation. Doesn't that make sense, though? It's, it's, it's a logical assumption that as we remove God from the scenario, we're more likely to, to, to push out our dysfunction on other people. And so we end up, as a matter of fact, let me read you the stats. 49%, this is the current number right now, 49% of adult Americans are married. That is the lowest in America's history. And it's on a downward slide. It's on a downward trend. Not only that, 50% of people, before they get married, they cohabitate. And it's ultimately, we, we start cohabitating or we get into divorce because we're just not sure and we don't trust and we don't know. And we've seen, I mean, think about it. If every time we went to a wedding, if we were just to kind of cruise around town on a Saturday and we could just go to every marriage and say, okay, let's flip a coin. 50-50, this one's gonna make it, this one's not. 50-50, this one's gonna make it, this one's gonna not. That's a, that's a pretty sad reality, isn't it? And it will always be the case as long as we remove God from the equation. That's just, that, that's just the way it's going to be. Because just like this woman, as long as we draw our strength and draw our love from our spouse, we're always going to be unfulfilled. Because think about it. You're drawing your strength and your love from somebody who is inconsistent and broken themselves. You're drawing your love and strength from somebody who's not fully engaged and fully aware of all of your needs and all of the things that are going on in your life. They don't know the depths of your soul like your heavenly father does. Not only that, because we're drawing from other people instead of God, now we have a limited capacity to love other people, don't we? You ever think like why you can't get over the hump and why you can't express love and help people and take on a servant role as a husband or as a wife? Why is that? It's because your tank is so empty you can't give out anymore. And then think about it like this, and if you really know people that are far off this deep end, is, is you end up projecting those needs and issues so badly that it pushes everybody else away from you. Let me make some sense of this. So I know people that have like abandonment issues. And so in their abandonment issues, they're like, no, 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 I need here. No, no, I need you. I need. This is why when they break up, they're like, no, don't go. Don't go. It's because they are totally dependent upon that person. They're like, don't leave me. Don't go. And so, but, but are needy people ever attractive? No, needy people are unattractive. And in your neediness, you actually push people away. And the very thing that you so crave and long for, you are pushing away from you. It's because you're drawing from the wrong well. They can never fully satisfy you. I was in a marriage meeting, uh, it was a few months ago now, and, and, and I was just talking to the wife to start out with, and, and she said these words, she goes, I, you know, he's just not meeting my needs. I just don't feel totally satisfied. I was, I, and I think I said it much nicer, I was trying to at least, but I was pretty just like, duh. What makes you think any man can ever meet all your needs? Unless they're Jesus. Like, like I try really hard, and I still stink at this thing. Like, I try really hard, y'all. I mean, I really, you know, but, it, 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 and here's the problem. And guys, I tell this to guys all the time. Guys, you can't lead out of your insecurity. Like, you can't lead out of your neediness because you won't ever lead. You'll actually react. So because she didn't do that, well, I'm not going to do that then. Because she's not giving me this, well, I'm not going to do that for her then. So, it, it, you end up reacting. Why? Because you're drawing from the wrong well. She will never give you everything you need in life. He will never give you everything that you need in life. Some things are only met, and your deepest needs are only met by truly your heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. Remember, it was God, Adam, and Eve in the garden. You take God out of the scenario, and this whole thing begins to fall apart because we are broken people. And here's the thing when we actually come to Jesus, here's what you're going to find. Here's what I know about my marriage. When I wake up 
and I make sure that God is, put it this way, let me, let me play it a real practical scenario. When you wake up in the morning, guys, if you will go and set aside the first 15, 20, however many minutes that you can to reading scripture, to prayer and meditation and worship and communing with your heavenly father, it is impossible to walk out those doors and go yell at your wife. Try it. Try to go worship Jesus, read and meditate on scripture, and then try to go yell at your wife. You can't do it. I mean, I mean, it's hard. Think about it, wife. It's hard to like be in communion with God and then to go and lack patience and go and to be angry or go and manipulate or go and be selfish. Guys, it's hard to do all those things, isn't it? When we draw our strength from God, you know what you walk out with? Oh, man, it's awesome. So when we, when we, this is what happens. Number one is this. When we learn to draw from Jesus and we draw on his well, we draw that everlasting life from God, the first thing he does is he heals our hearts. I want you to know Jesus is a healer and Jesus wants, if you will turn to him, he'll heal your heart. If you will seek him, if you will pursue him, if you will chase after him, he'll heal your heart. I promise you. He will take all those broken marriages, all those broken relationships, all those unmet promises, all those unfulfilled desires that you had since you were a child. He will begin to heal your wounds. Jesus is a healer. And, if, and as long as you keep trying to get it on your own or get it from them, you're going to stay unsatisfied. You can stay like Humpty Dumpty and broken. You've got to go to the king and he will heal all your wounds. Number two is this though. You'll actually be filled with his love and then have the ability to love others. I mean, isn't that how it is? Here, here's the perfect picture if I could draw it up for you. If you miss everything, uh, don't miss this part. This is the part, you get this right here. This is what a perfect marriage looks like. I draw my love and my strength from God and I give it to her. I draw my love and my strength from God and I give it to her. In a perfect marriage, what you'll find is she's drawing her love and strength from God and giving it to him. She draws her love and strength from God and giving it to him. And you have two people doing it at the same time? That's bliss. That's beautiful. That is the marriage that the world envies. That's not the, world, that's not the marriage that the world runs away from. That's not the marriage that the We envy people like that. But I'm telling you, they're not drawing it from each other. They're drawing it from him and then giving it to each other. I mean, isn't this in essence what, 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 what Paul describes when he described the fruit of the Spirit? He said, when you're connected to the Holy Spirit of God, you know what the fruit is that comes out of your love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. So you know what you do, ladies? You spend time with God. And guys, you spend time with God, and then you go give that to her. You go, you, you go project your love and your grace and your patience and your self-control. You project those things. I'm telling you what, that, so let's, let's keep going. He, he feels... Uh, we're filled with his love and in the ability to love others. And then thirdly, is this is our sin and selfishness are challenged and changed into Christ's character. This is what I know. Ever since I've turned to Jesus as a 17-year-old young man, I just started allowing God to work on things. And here's what I learned. He didn't work on everything overnight. I couldn't have handled it. I had too many issues. I had too much dysfunction. God can't, God can't overhaul all 20 of your issues at once. But if you stay with him, he'll take one at a time and just begin to work that out and heal that and rearrange that. You'll renew your mind according to his thoughts and his truths. And I'm telling you what, you'll be on a constant journey of, of working towards Christ's character. But if you're not connected to him and drawing from his well, that doesn't happen. So yes, some of you got issues. Some of you have abandonment issues. Some of you have selfish issues. Some of you have anger issues. The only way those get worked out is your personal relationship with God. Through Jesus. Does he begin to heal the wounds? Does he begin to pour in his love on you and then begin to challenge the issues that are going on in your life? Somebody said, this is good. This is good. I need this. I need this. We all need this. And here, here's, here's what I know from me. I'm, I'm, I'm outing myself. When I'm connected to God and she's not, it's okay. 
when she's connected to God and I'm kind of not, it, it, it's okay, we, we survive, you know, we don't kill each other. When we're both, man, it's bliss. And when neither of us are, that's pure hell. That's rough. Hell hath no fury like a woman's score. You're out there, and, and, and the majority of the hands went up when I asked you how many you're married out there. There is nothing more important than your personal relationship with God through Jesus. There is nothing more important to your marriage than that because as long as you are trying to draw it from her, and ladies, as long as you are trying to draw it from him, you're gonna be dissatisfied. You're gonna be unfulfilled, and then you're gonna begin to react out of your insecurity and react out of your emptiness and react out of your brokenness, and the whole thing is just going to fall apart. I'm telling you, it, it all flows. And here, here's, if I could give you just a few things to think about. Number one is this. When you talk about like your relationship with God, you, you need to realize, and Jesus said it like this. He says, if you knew the gift of God, he wasn't being arrogant. Because that sounded kind of arrogant. He says, if you knew the gift of God that was in front of you, you would have asked him for living water and he would have given it to you. Isn't that what he said? He wasn't being arrogant. He truly is a gift of God. The Bible says that Jesus is the gift that God has given us. He not only not only does he, does he pay the price for our sins, but he cleanses us from our unrighteousness. God is a gift. You need to approach God like that. You need to make sure that when you step out of the place, say, Jesus, I want you in my life, you need to just recognize and be so grateful that God and Jesus is a gift in your life. The second thing I want you to think about is this, is that Jesus, although he is God, Jesus is a person. He came to earth in the, in the form of a human being for this very purpose so that he could relate to you. The Bible says in Hebrews that he did this so that you would actually be able to connect with him because the Bible says he's been tempted in every way that you've been tempted and yet he's without sin. So Jesus has a get it factor. He gets you, he understands, he knows what pain is like. He knows what emotional pain, he knows what rejection is like, he knows what physical pain is like, he knows what it's like to be tired, he knows what it's like to be hungry. Because when you're tired and hungry, you're grumpy. He knows, he knows. And you need to relate to Jesus the same way you would relate to some of your closest relationships. You need to engage. How many know like your great relationships, there's time spent? Like you have to spend time together to have great meaningful relationship. You have to have great conversation, don't you? Which means that when we engage with Jesus in prayer, it's, it's conversation both ways. It's not going to, to the divine butler to get your to-do list for the day. No, no, it's, it's going and saying, God, I want to tell you about all that's on my heart and all that's on my emotion, all that I'm going through, and then I want to be quiet, and Jesus, I want you to speak to me. It's the same way that we approach, he's divine, but he's a person, and he wants to connect you in those same ways. And then thirdly is this, is, is we just have to have faith in God's love and faithfulness. Because many times we bow out of the relationship at some point. Either it gets too hard or it gets too good, and we just bow out of the relationship. Either it gets so good and we just get distracted with all the stuff of life and we walk away. No, always be reminded of his love and faithfulness. That even when we are faithless, he's faithful because he cannot deny himself. Like God can't not be faithful. That's just who he is. Remind yourself of that. And when it's hard, when you don't, just know this. Even in the hard times, he's there. Always be reminded of God's love and God's faithfulness. And as you pursue that relationship with God, your marriage will begin to be healed. And if both of you today, those of you who are married, if both of you today will walk out of this place and say, you know what, I realize that that's sketchy. That my relationship with God is more of an acquaintance that I see him on Sunday mornings. But I don't see him Monday through Friday. On a daily and regular basis, what does your relationship with Jesus look like? And if both of you, both husband and wife, begin to engage at the deeper levels where Jesus is meeting the needs of what? Your acceptance, of your security, 
of your identity and your purpose and you allow God to start meeting those deepest needs, if you begin to draw your love and strength from him and then begin to give it to her, and wife, if you'll begin to draw your strength and love from him and then give it to him, it's gonna be good. That was the original design, wasn't it? That marriage was not designed in, in, in an environment of chaos. It was designed in an environment of paradise. And inside of that paradise, you had a husband, you had a wife, and you had God. The Bible says a three-fold cord is not easily broken. Let's pray this morning. See, before we find the one, we need to find the one. Before we find what we think is Mr. Right or Mrs. Right, we need to find the one, the one and only, the true one, the way, the truth, and the life. Before you find the one, you've got to find the one. He's the only one that can fulfill those deep needs. He's it. You keep drawing it from them, you're going to be disappointed. You keep drawing it from them, you're going to be headed to heartache. I dare you, as husband and wife, to put this into practice. I dare you to go out of this place and say, you know what, babe? You know what, honey? I don't know what your pet names are. Let's, let's do this. Let's make, let's make our, our personal relationship with Jesus stronger. Let's even make our marriage relationship with Jesus stronger, whether that's praying together or reading together. Maybe just read the Bible together at night before you go to bed. I don't know. It, 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 I don't want to put restrictions on this. It can look in a whole bunch of different ways, but I'm telling you, as soon as you take God out of the equation, it's all going to fall apart. Jesus said, it's so good, i got to say it again. He goes, whoever drinks of this water, they'll thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him, they'll never thirst. And the water that I give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up to everlasting life. So Father, we pray that this morning, Lord God, that we would draw on you, that we would lean into you, that we would chase after you, God, that we would faithfully pursue you, that God, we would dedicate our time to you. God, that out of our relationship with you, we can love other people. Out of our relationship with you, we can give grace to the world around us. That out of our relationship with you, God, we can be kind and patient and merciful toward our spouse. God, we pray that you would heal our hearts. Some of us are broken. Some of us have such, we've got some unforgiveness or bitterness. We've got some issues that we've been carrying for too long. God, heal our hearts this morning. Some of you need to have a personal moment right now and just say, God, I confess, God, this is in my heart and I don't want it. Would you please heal my heart? Jesus, I don't want to carry this any longer. Would you please heal my heart? I, I don't want to not trust. I don't want to fear. I don't want to have the, I, will you heal my heart? Jesus, I'm broken. Would you fix me? Would you put me back together? I want to be able to love him and love her. I, would you please heal my heart? Some of us out there, we just know we, there's, there's some cracks in our character. Jesus, would you challenge those areas of our life? Challenge the issues. Challenge the things that we keep repeating over and over, God. Let, challenge those things. God, let us be so saturated with your love that we can't help but love our spouse. God, let us be so immersed in your Holy Spirit that we can't help but be patient and be kind. It's just, it's just normal. It's just what we want because of who you are in us. God, we stand before you so humbly broken, Lord God, in so need of your restoration, God. Heal our hearts. Put us back together again. Give us your strength and your love, Lord God. And we thank you that as we do that, God, we rise to become more than conquerors. We become victorious. Oh, we even become a marriage that's so wonderful, so bright, God, that it becomes a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. God, have your way in our marriages, Lord.
God, walk with us through the rest of these weeks as we continue to walk down this path of, God, you speaking into our marriages. God, speak to us these next few weeks, Lord. God, help us today. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. If you believe that, say amen. Amen.